Hey guys, how you doing? My name is Codename Big Bear, or Stuart if you want to call me by my first name. Welcome to the Recasters. Adjacent, I suppose. Um, sadly, today, um, the two people that are normally with me to help me recast the films, uh, Farzi and Hayden, are not available. Farzi has a family emergency, and Tavian is just not feeling very well at all. And that's a bit of a shame, really, because today we were supposed to be talking about uh, recasting Highlander, uh, the 1986 movie, with Family Guy characters. Now, for some people, that's absolutely sacrilegious, and yeah, I, I fully agree, to be honest. Um, Highlander was an amazing movie, and recasting it is, well, this going to be a chore for me, let's put it that way. Um, so... Why am I doing this today then? So basically, uh, we want to bring out a podcast every single week, and today is the only day this week that I can record it to be out today. I'm actually recording this on Wednesday before the Monday this is out, um, if that makes any sense. Um, so I've decided that I'm just going to talk about Highlander for a bit. Now, I'm not going to be going over any recastings at all. Um, that is going to be safe for when Farzi and Tavian are back. Uh, so I'm not going to be talking about any uh, any kind of like fancy th- say fancy things any uh, fun facts about the about Highlander itself you know in the guise of who was originally going to be cast as uh, Connor or Ramirez that kind of thing or even who was going to do original music those kind of things I will save for the mainline podcast but today I'm going to talk to you for roughly half an hour maybe a little bit longer it really depends on how I feel, um, just about Highlander, what it means to me, and then also about this upcoming remake as well, and my general feelings towards that, and yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's one of those. So, Highlander. Highlander, so I'm 33, you know, so I was born in 1987 at the tail end, and Highlander for me first came to my know-how in 1994 with the animated series. I loved this series. Quentin McLeod and Ramirez running around trying to defeat Cortan. I think it's Cortan. I'm just trying to have a quick look. It is Cortan. Yeah, <laughs> I had these figures. I yeah, I used to play with them all the time. In fact, I still have Ramirez and Quentin, at least, uh, at my parents' house in the loft somewhere. Quentin's losing some spikes on his hair, and I think he's lost a ponytail. Uh, but I've got the sword somewhere, and the bundle it all goes in. And I've got Ramirez, I've got Quentin's jacket still somewhere along the line. Um, but I loved these, char- these characters and this cartoon series so much. I used to watch it every single time I got from school. And when they did like a, a mini omnibus uh, at, the end, at the end of the week, like Saturday morning cartoon type thing, I would watch what was on. I adored it. And it was, well, maybe a year or so later, I was at my auntie's. Or when I say auntie, I mean... Uh, mum's friend who was basically my auntie uh, and her her her, her at the same at the time had the 1987 VHS of Highlander the UK edition which had Connor's face on it when he's looking up into the sky the big old sword and the Kurgan's face and it was kind of bluish color um either way it looked amazing it was an amazing front cover to the thing and it said the word Highlander on it me not even being 10 years old at the time was obsessed with wanting to take that home. Every time I'd go around to her house to see my friend Hannah, uh, I would always have a look at that video and just sit there and read it and look at that picture and wonder what the hell this was. I didn't know there was a live-action film of this uh, this entire cartoon series I was obsessed with. Then eventually, I was able to take it home. 
I think I basically annoyed them that much. I was able to take it home. Annoyed mum that much. I was just able to, you know, take it home, fine, watch the film. And I watched it with my brother. And I fell in love with this film. I was very confused because Quentin McLeod wasn't there, but there was a person called Connor McLeod, and Ramirez was there. But Ramirez dies in the film, and he doesn't die in the cartoon series, and I couldn't quite put two and two together the fact that the film had come beforehand. Um, but, you know, I, I was less than 10 years old, so you, come on, you've got to forgive me here. But I loved this movie. It was absolutely brilliant, and it has stuck with me forever, to the point that I've pretty much watched it at least once a year since then. I, you know, I had my own copy of the video. I, if it came on TV, I'd watch it. Any of the sequels came out, I'd watch them. You know, it was, I was obsessed with Highlander. Absolutely loved it. When I found out there's a TV series, I watched it. I got as many videos as I possibly could, going to car boot sales and trying to watch it as much as I could. Um, when I found out there was uh, another TV series based on Highlander coming out called The Raven, um, which actually, I remember when I first, first found that out, um, was when The Rock was appearing in Star Trek Voyager. I was such a big fan of wrestling at the time, so this must have been around about the year 2000. Um, I, <laughs> I saw the advert for Highlander the Raven and asked the person whose house I was at if they could record it for me. And they did at least a few episodes before they got tired and couldn't be bothered anymore. And I watched a few of those, and they were awful, and it was not very good. I have since watched the entire series. Um, you know, so I was absolutely obsessed with Highlander, and I love it so, so much. It is honestly in my top five greatest films of all time, alongside Robocop, alongside Masters of the Universe, um, probably up there with The Warriors. You know, I love old movies, and these are all oh, Evil Dead. Army of Darkness, they're kind of all, all at once. You would have trilogy is just one film for me in, in those. You know, they are just incredible. And Highlander itself, again, I, I can't really praise this film too much. The thing I loved about the film is, it, even now, watching it recently, in the last week, uh, twice, in fact, actually, um, watching it now in the last week, uh, you know, it's so timeless. It is so timeless. There's just nothing like it. I mean, the yes, okay. You look at the things they're doing, and they're on like rotary phones. They don't have mobiles. They don't have, they don't have smartphones and all this. But at the same time, it's set in the eighties. Doesn't matter. You know, it's literally it's it comes from the time it looks, and the way it looks, it's got that rough and ready kind of grimy feel to it. You know, there's no like crisp, clear image. It is still kind of looks like a VHS, even though it was filmed on film, and uh, it just looks fantastic. The scope of the film is brilliant. The whole fact the medieval past uh kind of flashbacks from connor being at a wrestling match and seeing these you know big sweaty men having a battle and he has flashbacks to when he was having actual sword battles and going into that and then you have <laughs> and then you have christopher lambert and his accent he does a better scottish accent than i do and my dad is from glasgow and I cannot do a Scottish accent to save my life. I really, really can't. I think the best I can do is like a really naff Billy Connolly. It's like, oh, Billy Connolly. Oh, Billy Connolly. See, it's really rubbish. And even then, I'm just saying his fucking name. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, Jim, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, Jimmy, Jim, 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 Jim. And that's, again, saying a name, but that's also from Muppet's Treasure Island, so, you know. But yeah, I'm not very good at a Scottish accent. I really can't do it. And you know, Lambert does a really commendable job, considering the fact that at the time he was filming this, he really didn't speak any English at all. And then he has his general accent throughout the same throughout the film. That's kind of 
mention upon, almost like meta-wise. Uh, you know, he's like, where are you from? You sound funny, Nash. And he's like, lots of different places. And what a great reply that is. It makes sense as well, because he's come from Scotland and he's travelled the world. Then you see this through his flashbacks. At least, he travels around England at least, and obviously you know he's in America. The sequels you find out, he goes across the world a bit more. Um, but I'm not really here to talk about the sequels. I will mention the sequels, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I will mention the sequels. But anyway, you know, so, you know, this film, like I said, is timeless. The opening sequence of this film is just fantastic. You know, like, you, you get to see the wrestling, wrestling scene, and you have Connor sat there, his flashbacks to the medieval times, and you got that cool music coming with that bah, 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 bah. sounds like Star Trek. That was definitely not the right tune. But if you've seen the film, hopefully you understand where it's coming from. And you have this really cool medieval setting. You have a castle that's been seen in most films. I swear it turns up in Entrapment. Um, and you have this, then you have the reveal of the villain. And the villain is the Kurgan. And the Kurgan is a badass man. Clancy Brown. Fucking, fucking Clancy Brown. Mr. Krabs himself, if you didn't know, that's who he is, um, turns up on a horse, lightning striker behind him, looking evil as fuck with, I swear, a horse's head turned into a helmet on his head. And he's just like, the one they call McLeod is mine. And he goes in, and Connor's just like, what do I do? And he just stabs him in the chest, and he gets dragged away, and then for some reason leaves him alone for 400 years. <laughs> I don't really know why, but he does. You know, he finds out who this guy's going to be, and he decides to kill him, and he does. And I don't. that's never really explained, and I love that about films. Things being explained too much in films these days, they really are. I mean, just look at the latest Star Wars films. People lost their shit because Snoke wasn't explained, and then they explained it in the next film, and it turned out he was a shitty clone, and it was awful. Um, You know, Ray's parents, uh, they were just explained as kind of, you know, they're just... They're throwaway parents. They're nobody. They're literally just drunkards that sold you for some beer, essentially. Um, they gambled you away. And then, oh, now she's Palpatine's daughter. That was rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Oh, my God. I hate the, I hate the Rise of Skywalker. It's such a bad film. Not what I'm here to talk about. <laughs> but they never explain why or how the Kurgan knows his name and knows where to find him before Connor even knows he's an immortal. And that's perfectly fine by me. And... Then, after this flashback, you end up kind of seeing Fasil in the parking lot. And this is an amazing opening sword fight. Like a properly wicked sword fight. It's got loads of flips, it's got explosions, it's got sparks out coming out everywhere. That's something you don't see in films these days. Yes, you see some cool sword fights. But you don't see sparks actually on film. There, they will put in afterwards. Um, you know, it's just a really cool sword fight. And then later on, you see how brutal these sword fights can get. And yes, they might be a bit slow compared to today's today's imagery. And in the remake, we're going to have some amazing sword fights. I can't doubt that in the slightest. But the reason they kind of had to be slower is because Christopher Lambert was, is basically blind. He can't really see more than a few feet in front of him. Even then, it's like a couple of feet. You know, so he can't really see without glasses, at least anyway. Conor McLeod doesn't wear glasses, but he was able to pull off these sword fights, and convincingly so, someone who may not pick up a sword for years, but years and years, so he's a bit, a bit rusty, and he's having his fight with Fasil, he ends up killing him, blah, 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 anyway, I'm rabbiting on, and I will do this throughout this entire little talk I'm giving, um, but we have this wicked sword fight, and it really works, again, everything about this film, like the way, the time it's set, and the way everything looks, it's kind of timeless, yes, 
you have younger people that might not understand why their computer screens are black with green text. But once you say it was made in the 80s, that's just how they were. Okay, cool, I got you. Fair enough, that's just how things were. No phones right in front of them. Okay, cool. We understand now. And you have this amazing uh, story arc that has Connor meeting his mentor, which is Ramirez. And Ramirez teaching him everything he needs to know about the game and the prize and about the Kurgan and why if the Kurgan gets it, he will just decimate the world because the prize is something so powerful. It can make somebody do that. And then, sadly, we lose Ramirez. Uh, but before he says that, he says to Connor, mate, you've got to leave your woman. You've got to leave Heather behind. If you do, it's just going to break your heart and you're going to have to live with that for the rest of your life. You cannot get close to anybody. You have to be a solo. You have to be a hermit. And oh, it's just such a shame, man, because we have this amazing little montage with uh, Queens Who Wants to Be Who Wants to Live Forever. And that song playing over it all is just, again, it's so well filmed. It's so perfect. Uh, you have this little bromance he had with Ramirez as well. And then he, like I said, he eventually dies. And then you have this montage almost afterwards as well, just kind of cementing that we've just lost a really cool character. Now we're going to lose Connor's wife. Yes, admittedly, years later in Connor's life. And she's much, much older. But he's still losing her. And then he goes on to live by himself and travel the world properly, you know, after living in the Highlands. And it just, it works, it just works so, so damn well. And the fact this film kind of goes back and forth uh, through modern times at the time, obviously, and through the past, uh, you know, going through medieval times, and then later on, I believe until the Edwardian, Edwardian times, um, which has a scene that just cracks me up, even to this day, I just find it so stupid. When he's having a duel and he's getting stabbed over and over and over again. And he's like, ah, oh, I'm drunk. Is that you? Ah, oh, dude, okay, fine. And he carries on and walks off. But we have this whole uh, you have this whole reveal of Connor does have somebody who is close to him. And has been close to him for a very, very long time. Uh, so at this point, probably about 40 years. Maybe a little bit longer, maybe 43 years or so. And that is the character Rachel. She's not in it much at all. But she kind of comes across like she is... Um, Connor's Alfred, I suppose. <laughs> um, so Connor's Alfred, uh, you know, she knows everything about him. She knows that he's an immortal because he saved her when she was a child and he got riddled with bullets, saved, protected her, you know, you know, blocked the bullets from her. He wakes up, gives her a wink, says, hey, it's like, it's, it's a kind of magic, and then kills a Nazi and then protects her from that point onwards. And they have this amazing little relationship where she clearly loves him and he clearly loves her, but is kind of father daughter type love, you know, she doesn't want him to go off and face the Kurgan and die because Brenda's got herself kidnapped, um, you know, by the Kurgan, who at this point has gone absolutely batshit because he's gone and killed the last last other remaining Highlanders and he's had the quickening and he's got all their power and he's just losing his mind. And if he did get the prize, the world would be destroyed straight up. You get that feeling from this film. And the story has told us so and well. But then you also have the Kurgan doing this thing as well. And a Kurgan is straight up evil, and he fucking loves it. <laughs> he really does. Even when you first see him, he stabs, he stabs Connor in the side. He kills him. He waits a few months. You know, Connor's now been banished, and he finds him finally. Uh, you know, at their home in the Highlands of Scotland, he see finds Ramirez. He cuts Ramirez's head off. After Ramirez is like, "Ha ha! I see my cut has improved your voice." <laughs> yeah, that's probably isn't Scottish. I can do I can do a Sean Connery. Do a Sean Connery. 
Um, but, <laughs> but no, he ends up, you know, killing, killing Ramirez and then having his way with Heather. And, you know, Heather never mentions, never mentions that to Connor. And, you know, that's obviously up to her to tell him. And I think, it, you know, it, it, at least it added something later on in the film. The fact that when Kurgan says, you know, I killed Ramirez and then I had a, had my way with his woman before his blood turned cold. Well, as soon as Connor realized what, what he meant by that, something triggered and he went to, you know, attack Kurgan because once he realized that, you know, it wasn't Ramirez's woman, it was yours. Ha 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 ha. And, you know, he, he loved that revelation. He loved it to the point that Connor gets up and tries to attack him on holy ground, which one of the rules of being an immortal, no fighting on holy ground. Um, he even points out, like, we're on holy ground, Highlander. And that's nuts. It makes the character of the Kurgan so damn good. He is so evil. He can get away with so much. Yet he's still sticking to the rules of the game. Like, he doesn't fight on holy ground. He refuses to. He turns a fight down. And makes makes Connor so angry that he's the Connor's willing to break that rule. To the point they have to just walk away from each other. And that was such a great, great little touch. This guy is so insanely evil. He's, you know, he, oh, he's just comical and brutal and scary. And on set, apparently, you know, people were scared of Clancy Brown because he looked intimidating. The guy is huge. He's like six foot three. He's an inch taller than I am. I'm six two. He's six foot three. He's a big guy, and he's probably in big boots that make him even taller again. And he's got this like now now this scar going on. His hair's been cut all weird. He looks really scary. His makeup's all in there. He looks, oh, he just looks insane. And look, oh, he's just so damn good. He's such a great. He's honestly one of the best movie villains of all time. Him and Clarence Boddicker from Robocop are the best movie villains of all time. And then it culminates into this fight. You know, so Conor McLeod's love interest at the time. You know, uh, for a while he he's like, you know, she's researching him, trying to find out where the sword come from that he's been using, um, because apparently it shouldn't exist. It was apparently the, the techniques used to make that sword were centuries out of date. You know, like it was the sword shouldn't exist because it was made in the, during a time that it shouldn't have been made. Blah blah blah. I think I made that made that made sense. I don't know. And eventually they kind of fall in love. He's like, I am Connor McLeod or the Connor McLeod. And he stabs him and, you know, he, he's like, I see I'm alive. I'm fine. I'm immortal. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and anyway, they have this, they have this amazing sword fight and this whole like film ends and it ends perfectly because it, it literally ties everything up in a neat bow. You know, the prize has been won. Connor talks about the prize and how it is in his brain and he can hear everyone's thoughts and he can, feel the earth and knows what's going on and he can now have children which he's never been able to do in the last five four hundred and sixty three years he's been alive or something like this he can now have children and he wants to have it with brenda and brenda's like hell yeah let's do this you know <laughs> maybe not like that but you know but you know it has this nice little bow and highlander was supposed to be a one-off film and it deserved to be a one-off film like not because it was bad or anything, it deserved it because it's such a perfect little story. It's a perfect film. It's so, so damn good. And then we've got sequels. And we've got a TV series. And we've got another TV series. And, you know, then there was the cartoon series as well. But obviously I, I was in a different order to all of this, as I said at the beginning. You know, I'm only, it, the film came out before I was born. The TV series is out when I was young enough to, or old enough to understand what it was. Blah, 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 blah. But then I discovered the sequels. 
I watched Hannah number two. I enjoyed it. I did. I was a stupid child. It's, I watch it now, and it's yeah, it's not good. It really isn't. But it has some cool moments. You know, I like what they tried to do. I don't like what they tried to do, but I do like what they try to do. You know, they're trying to make a franchise out of something that couldn't be a franchise, and it kind of worked. You know, them being aliens sucks. But sending an immortal, or say a random immortal being born on on the planet again, would have triggered the game again. You know, would have had something happen. You know, the prize was still up for grabs. It became up for grabs again. You know, but the fact that they, they had the sent immortals back to Earth and Connor, it triggered, triggers all this kind of thing going on, so he has to fight them off. No, I just can't defend it. I can't defend Hanansu, the quickening. It's awful. The Renegade cut is much better, I promise you, but yeah, the sequel is just bad. I mean, Michael Ironside is basically doing his best Clancy Brown impression, and that's the thing with all these villains in the in these sequels as well. They all talk like this. <laughs> they have that voice, and even at one point he's chasing him down the train. Let's have some fun. <laughs> and he kind of like looks through the top of his head, and it's just weird. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's see, the sequel is bad. The, the second film is bad, straight up. I mean, there's some redeeming. It's got some cool ideas, but it doesn't work. And in the pocket universe of Highlander, this, this Highlander 2 is the only one that technically works because of what it did, but it shouldn't be included ever. It should be ignored forever because who wants to see that forever? And, you know, one of those. Then we have the third film, which I really enjoy. It's basically a remake of the first film. Um, it's not as good as the first film. But it has some really cool moments, but it also negates everything the first one happened. So, as far as I'm concerned, Highlander 3, the Sorcerer, or in the American title, New Dimension, or Final Dimension, whatever it is, is just, it starts again from that point onwards. So, Highlander 3 is a new, it's like a reboot. Essentially, that's what it is. You know, it has the whole thing about the prize, and it, you know, I think, it doesn't mention Ramirez, but it meant, it, I think, kind of does briefly but it mentions that you know connor was traveling the world and he was figuring out who he was as an immortal and how things could work he was getting a sword made for him or at least reforged for him um <laughs> um he meets an immortal that's got these special powers that can he can duplicate himself and he can do all sorts of mystical illusions and mario brown peoples turns up who was just an evil person and kills that guy and as he take those powers but it's trapped for a long long time um, trapped for a few hundred years in this cave and eventually breaks out into the modern day and then Highlander starts and you know, goes from there but like I said at this point you know, Connor McLeod isn't he hadn't won the prize as, as far as this film is concerned the prize, the prize still doesn't exist because well I suppose the Highlander TV series was the reboot point for it it was the point to you know go right we've got Duncan McLeod and if Duncan McLeod exists then how could he have won the prize Blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. It's, it's a really convoluted, weird thing. So as far as I'm concerned, Highlander 1 is its own film. If you want to extend it a little bit, you go Highlander 2. But you don't want to go Highlander 2. And then you just ignore those. And you have Highlander 3. And that starts a whole new series. And it starts a series of an extreme decline after that point as well. Because, like I said, Highlander 3 is pretty good. Highlander 4 is terrible. Highlander the source. Try. I, I kind of like what it tried to do with finding the source, and the source is kind of humanity, and that's where the prize is as well, and as they get closer to it, you know, they can find their humanity, and they actually become human, you can die, you can just run through the bullets, uh, to the chest, that kind of thing, um, but it's terrible, 
It's bad. I don't really have much to say about it. I'm not going to say much about it. Um, but yeah, so we have these sequels. We have was it Hanan 1 through 5, essentially. So Hanan 1, 2 the Quickening, 3 the Source, 4 Endgame, uh, not Sorcerer, sorry, 4 Endgame, and the the Source. And then you have the animated film, the which is the... Well, the anime. Yeah, the anime, which is The Search of Vengeance, which is a really cool film. Another McCloud is used. So we got... So we have four McClouds, I believe. We have Connor, we have Duncan, we have Colin McCloud, and Quentin McCloud. Uh, all these McClouds. So apparently, if you want to be an immortal, you want your last name to be McCloud. Um, and for some reason, they all are from the Highlands of Scotland. So they're all Highlanders, and apparently that lineage is got immortals in it, which doesn't really make much sense in the context of the first film. Um, but yeah, either way, so... I want to start talking to you. So, yeah, we have the, have the film, we have the two series as well, and then we have the cartoon series. And the, the animated film is, is, if anything, if you're going to watch Highlander films, watch the first one. It's the only one really worth watching. Um, the third one's all right. And then watch the anime. And then just ignore the rest. There's really no point to the rest. But it kind of brings me to the remake. The remake has been rumoured to be remade, well, the rumoured to remake Highlander for many, many years now. Uh, many, many actors have been attached to it. People have been claiming to be Connor and all this kind of thing as well. And it's just kind of, I'll believe it when I see it. Right now we have Henry Cavill is attached to the Highlander remake. And I don't know how I feel about it. I really don't. We have um, the director of John Wick attached to, you know, making this film. And yeah, do you know what? If you're going to pick a director, why not pick that guy who makes low-budget action movies, because John Wick is essentially quite a low-budget film in, in the grand scheme of things, make them look absolutely badass and kind of keep everything in a dark, gritty society, which is what John Wick is and what Highlander is, because if you watch the original Highlander, the immortals are secret. They fight in dirty alleys, they fight in parking lots that, you know, that people aren't seen in. You know, they don't have to fight out in the open. They're, they're, they're a secret society. People don't know they exist. And John Wick and his assassins are the same thing. Um, we've seen the action that he can produce with guns, which is fantastic, and I can only imagine with swords, it will be badass as well. And if it's an R-rated film, which it should be, um, we'll have some nice, cool dismemberment going on in this film as well. Um, but the casting of Henry Cavill as Connor, the main problem I have with it is the size of the man. Uh, Henry Cavill is one, so he's an inch smaller than I am. I'm considered a tall person, especially around my, my peers and people I work with, that kind of thing. Um, even with uh, with Tavian and Hayden, they consider me the tall one. You know, Tavian's not exactly sure himself. He's six foot himself. Um, you know, he, he really isn't that sure. Um, but we have Henry Cavill, six foot one. Um, Conor McLeod should be an average size guy. You know, he shouldn't be massively tall. Christopher Lambert was 5'10", and Clancy Brown was 6'3", so he's an inch taller than I am, and he towered over Connor, and it made sense because you had this giant hulky, hulking man who was going insane, swinging around a massive sword, um, compared to a smaller, more agile Connor McLeod who's swinging around a, a katana. Not using it like a katana, he's just using it like a fucking sword. <laughs> 
you know, so you clearly didn't get trained to use the sword that way. Use that sword because it was his mentors, and you know, it's essentially passed down to him. He's like, I'm going to honor you by winning the game using your sword. Fair enough. Um, you know, but that's the thing. You know, you have this hulking bad guy with this average-looking guy. You know, winning. If you got Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill is a big dude. He's built like a brick shit house. He is six foot one. Um, he's Superman. And who are you gonna get that's taller than he is that makes Henry Cavill look small? There really isn't many people. And also to play a Russian guy, that's also been through. You know, I mean, the only person straight comes to mind is six foot five. Um, six foot five, he might be six foot seven. But Jason Momoa is a very large dude. Um, but he doesn't. He can't be the Kurgan because the Kurgan's a Russian man. And Jason Momoa is clearly Hawaiian. Um, <laughs> it just is. Um, let's have a look. Jason Mamoa in feet is 1 meter 93. What is that in feet? That's not what I asked for. 1.93. Ooh, 93 meters to feet. 6 foot 3. He's the same height as Clancy Brown was. Um, yes, he's bigger than Boots, he's a bit taller, but he's not hugely, he's not, compared to, compared to uh, Henry Cavill, he's not a massively tall guy. Yeah, so it's kind of, you know, so that kind of brings me to how are we going to get around the whole not turning it into a franchise thing? Um, you know, so if you're going to remake this film, if anything, Highlander, that any remakes should be turned into a trilogy. The first film, ignore the Kurgan completely. Just establish who, just establish who uh, Connor is. Get his backstory in. Get his, you know get the whole Heather story in there as well. Um, have him be in the modern day. Have those flashbacks. Please have those flashbacks. Get um get his mentor in there as well, so you can have the Ramirez storyline going in there. Maybe not kill him just yet. Uh, and or or even if we do have the Kurgan, he's only in the scene where he. Uh, even then. I don't think we should do that. No, no, no. So in the first in the, in this first remake, again, establish who Connor is. Don't show him being stabbed or anything like that. Don't show him being finding out he's immortal. Maybe just straight up, he's an outcast. That's all he is. And Ramirez turns up and he teaches him the ways. And then next thing you know, he's just in the future, and he can say, "Ah, oh, you know, an old friend died, and I had the sword." Then in the second film, you can kind of reveal the Kurgan. You can kind of have him shadowed up and you can see Connor getting stabbed and you can have Ramirez be killed by the Kurgan. You can see, oh, right, this is the big guy. But you can also mention Kurgan in the first film, obviously. But you want to establish, you know, his his hatred of being an immortal. You know, losing someone he loved, uh, not understanding originally, like, why he was chosen for this. Uh, obviously, no aliens don't want any of that shit. Um... You know, so he loses this person he loves, and then he's kind of, you know, become hermitized. You can have him saving Rachel as well. Um, so you can have at least her just kind of around. And then he goes off, and, you know, the prize is acknowledged, and, you know, it's talked about. And he's been investigated by the police because he had this fight with Fasil in, in the parking lot, uh, which could be absolutely amazing these days as well. It could be so stylized and so cool. Um, but, you know, you have this uh, the Fasil fight. He kills somebody, so you know Connor's being investigated. Hence, you bring in Brenda. 
then you have him kill an immortal at the end who has been kind of tweaking things towards this way. You know, and you find out before this mortal dies at the end of the film that he's been working for the Kurgan. Why he's been working for the Kurgan, I don't really know. Maybe the Kurgan's become so insane and so powerful, he's been killed so many mortals, he can pretty much get another immortal to do what he wants and kind of control their fate a little bit. Maybe he found an immortal early on and he was like, right, you're going to do things for me. Um, you know, we're going to try and get McLeod this time. But anyway, Connor kills him and the film continues on. You know, but with the looming effect of the Kurgan is coming, the sequel happens. So we focus more on Rachel this time. You know, as well with Connor, obviously, you have more backstory going there and seeing kind of life, you know, as an immortal growing up. But we have a little bit of focus on Rachel. Um, because this time around, the Kurgan is now coming into play. Um, you know, not necessarily for the third one, but, you know, again, he's coming into play. He's definitely around. He's causing problems. He's lopping heads off from New York. You know, really, really doing it. That you know, he's really becoming like a big thing. Um, and then you know, we find out more about like the the relationship between uh, Connor and Rachel, the fact that they are basically father and daughter through, um, through the horrors of war. Essentially, you know, he saves a, saves from a Nazi as a very young child, and he's like, "Hey, it's a kind of magic. You know, it's fine. I'm alive, and I'll always be here for you." Blah 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 blah. And she helps him, like you know hide himself, you know, by becoming Russell Nash and things like that as well. Maybe they're in a different city, I don't know. Um, but then, you know, you know, keep it nice and simple, each story nice and simple, full of action, full of loads of cool stuff going on, full of wicked sword fights, full of medieval action as well, you know, why not? And then you can also bring, bring it up and just kind of have a lot of it focused on, say, the wars itself. You know, during the war, he's been hunted by an immortal, but it's reminiscent of what he, what's happening to him in modern times where he's been hunted by another immortal, which would be the Kurgan. Yeah, but we don't necessarily see anything happen in this one. Maybe that gets from back to back with the third film. But during the war, he has like another immortal he's got to deal with, and turns out to be a big bad, big bad Nazi. Because, you know, why not? Nazis are bad guys, let's get rid of them. Um, you know, and then, and then it comes to the third film. And the third film is when, you know, by the end of the second film, Kurgan is revealed, he's battered Connor. You know, but Connor's just escaped into holy ground. And, you know, he's like, I'll get you, Highlander. Uh, I'm going to do this thing. We find out who he is. And he's just this towering bloke. I don't know. Maybe Dave Bautista was um, was rumoured to be uh, Kurgan about 10 years ago, something like that. So maybe him. I don't know. Um, you know, somebody. Somebody massive. Somebody who can tower over and just look huge in comparison with Henry Cavill. Um, and also, obviously, act and really come across menacing and crazy all at once. And then the third film, we get the full backstory between Connor and Kurgan. And why Kurgan has singled him out is because he basically made him the mortal that he is by killing him on a battlefield and then obviously you know, making his immortalness happen um, and killing his uh, mentor and having his way with his wife and you know all, all these horrible things that he's done to him throughout the past and he's haunted him throughout and he sent cronies in after, after Connor to try to get him or trap him somehow. And then we have this amazing combination at New York and at the Silver Cup and we have this amazing fight and it goes through and we have all this glass shatter everywhere else and we have this really, really cool fight at the end. And again, yes, it's obviously a skeleton idea. I haven't really thought it through, but I really think if we're going to have Highlander be remade, it's got to be a trilogy and it's got to be known as a trilogy and it's got to be played out smartly and ending with the Kurgan dying and Connor winning the prize. 
it has to fucking end. That's the problem with Highlander, the franchise, is that we have this series, it ended on the first film, but then we had to kind of restart it, and we have these terrible sequels which don't work. Um, so, you know, we're going to remake it. We start with the first film, we have a second film, and we have a third film, and the third film ends it. He wins the prize. No more. No more Highlander. Unless they want to remake it in another 40 years. Um, this case, 34 years. 35 years, something along those lines. Either way, that's how they should deal with it. And uh, casting Henry Cavill, yes, I love the guy. I really do. I think he's a great actor. I love him as Superman. Uh, I love him as Sherlock Holmes. Um, <laughs> I just think he's really good. He's, he's a nice, charming dude. And yeah, he's clearly obviously very good and very passionate about his films. He's a massive nerd as well, which is brilliant. Um, you don't see many celebrities just fully admit that. And I think he'd be great for it. I just, at the same time, wish they'd picked somebody else. Maybe Cavill would have been great as the Kurgan. I could really see that. I could really see him just nailing that bad guy attitude and really getting there. Um, but, hey, this is what we got, isn't it? Um, so, guys, yeah, I, I've kind of ramped it on for around about 40 minutes now. Um, but I'm not sure if that's how long this recording is going to be when it comes out. Um, but I've rabbited on for a little while. And about a film that I absolutely love. And honestly, I could talk a lot more about this. Um, but I really, really need someone to bounce off of. I'm kind of struggling to remember the things I want to talk about. As also remember the things I don't want to talk about in this particular little audio that I'm doing. Because I've got plenty more I can talk about and talk and say when it comes to uh, Tavian and Farsi sat next to me and we're all talking about Highlander and recasting as Family Guy and why that's such a stupid idea and why uh, yeah, again, why we think maybe remaking Highlander is a bad idea because I do think it's a bad idea, the film is so perfect just leave it alone, you know, having sequels it's just, it's just gonna more to the franchise that we don't want um, yeah, so again, I could talk about lots of it, there's lots of things I could talk about with this film and I, it's so important to my life, and I watched it like every year since I first watched it, and that's at least 33 times, let's put it that way, I've, I've definitely watched it a few times a year at some point as well, so I've probably actually watched this film about 60 times, minimum, I've watched it loads, I love it, I absolutely love it, the soundtrack is perfect, the cinematography is perfect, the lighting, the acting, the casting is perfect, even though it's ridiculous casting, it is still perfect, it is such a good movie and if you've never seen it and you're listening to me now i implore you please go out find a copy and watch it any copy find it on amazon find a dvd find an old video if you still have video players if you have it on laserdisc please contact me i would buy that off you um you know i just i love highlander so damn much and you know the fact that i've been able to sit down and just chat to you about this for a little time is to be honest i've really enjoyed it um but guys um follow me on twitter at the recasters um so follow the recasters at twitter um and we're on facebook as well the recasters uh, my personal uh twitter account is stuart s-t-u-a-r-t-f-i-t-z fits s-t-p so s-t-p stuart fits s-t-p uh, that's my personal Twitter. If you want to follow me, you can do. I really don't mind. And if you have any questions about uh, the recasters or you have any suggestions for the recasters, what we can do, please, again, at the recasters, 
uh, on everything. We have uh, our podcast on Spotify, and we do it through Anchor. We're on several different uh, podcast sites. Um, I appreciate that our sound hasn't been the best over the last uh, last last few episodes, or pretty much all of our episodes. And I am working my ass off to make sure that eventually we can get them all working and all working properly with really great sound. I think I found a way to do that. I just need the time and I will be re-releasing the original episodes uh, as they come. And hopefully you'll get some really nice um, nice audio that you can actually listen to properly. Uh, if you haven't listened to them, <laughs> I've just checked my stats. <laughs> Ninety-seven percent of the people in the ninety-seven percent of our listeners are in the UK, and two percent is in Sweden, which I absolutely love because I know exactly who that is. Hello, Breach. How are you today? Thank you very much for listening. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that's quite amazing. Um, we don't have many listeners at the moment, but if you if you feel like this, you know, share it around to people. You know, tell people who. You know, you, oh, we've got this cool podcast that's a recast classic films with modern day actors, or they're going to recast Highlander with Family Guy. You should really listen to it if you love Highlander, blah, blah, blah. And then you can tell us off and you can have a go at us and send us all kind of threats and stuff and all kinds of love and whatnot. You think if we're funny, that'd be great. You know, that kind of thing. Um, this is just kind of my plea just to listen to us a bit more if you can. Um, but yeah, we're on all sorts of uh, podcast sites. And if I can find it, I will let you know exactly which ones they are. But I can't. I don't know where it's gone. Um, yeah, so we're on all sorts of uh, all, all sorts of things. Anything that you can find through Anchor, the best, the best way to find us is just anchor.fm, and you'll find us easy enough there, or on Spotify at The Recasters. Um, you know, we have four episodes out, five including this one. And yeah, like I say, give us a listen, you know, give us an upvote, or whatever it is you do. I don't know how this works. We're still very, very new to this. If you enjoy what I was talking about, and if, you, if any of you want to join in, want to contact us, and want to kind of talk about a film uh, that you absolutely love and you want to recast a film and join us in join in with us get in contact we're i'll be more than happy to do this with somebody who who's passionate about a film and would like to recast it in, in some way um say you know if you're obsessed with the superman movies the old classic ones yeah let's do that if you're obsessed with <laughs> short circuit let's, let's redo short circuit the goonies maybe not the goonies i don't like recasting kids because it's quite difficult i don't really know any child actors um, plus it would tend to probably be uh, all Disney characters and I guess uh, Disney actors and let's not do that um, you know like that kind of thing you know if, if you if you absolutely love the child's play movies then we can do something with that so I want to talk about that there's lots we can do get in contact with us and you know we'll make something happen let's let's put it that way um, but our last episode we had out was the Su- was Suicide Squad just in time for the Suicide Squad coming out in what I think at the end of this week um, so you know, give that a listen again you know, share it about, uh, hashtag the recasters. I've kind of let this outro go on for quite a long time. I do apologize for ravaging on like this. I really, really do. Um, but guys, uh, again, thank you from what my heart for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this, uh, this audio podcast that I've done, my solo podcast that I've done here. And, uh, yeah, just again, let us know everything you think at the recasters and most of all, have yourself a great day. And don't forget to be nice to each other, yeah? I'm really glad I never at once made a joke about there can be only one. Ah, shit.